Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. You hear the Pillars of Franchising Dogs in the background. We're live on September 6th. This is Fred McMurray, and I'm going to say a big hello to my co-host, Ray Pillar. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing great, listening to the dogs bark. (laughs) Sorry about that, folks. (laughs) They're doing great. Yeah. Pillar one and pillar uh, the little two. Kid, uh, yeah. yeah, the kids just got dropped off from school. Of course, they got to bark at them, you know. That's part, <laughs> part of, you know, doing the show from home. So apologize again. So, uh, so how's the weather out there and and no weather, California? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. It is definitely overcast. Um but the ocean is it's it's a bit much more uh sunlit over the ocean because I can see the uh they're not white caps, but you know, the little wave crest glinting off the sun out in the ocean. So it's a beautiful day, almost hoodie weather. Well, okay, it is hoodie oh, weather. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, how's it with you? That's my friend? good. It is cloudy and it is sixty eight degrees, which is perfect for me. I wish the humidity was a little uh, less, but still, 68 degrees isn't bad. So, So, Fred, who who do we have on the show today? And before we jump into that, um, there was big news shaking out of Chicago this week. Non-franchise news. Really? Yeah. The mayor decided not to run again. So, who got what on him? (laughs) I don't blame him, you know, but uh, that's another story. I don't want to really get into that. Okay. I kept thinking about politics. The the song that kept going through my head was Ding Dong, the Wicked Witch is Dead. Okay, never mind. (laughs) So uh, one thing of note before we bring our first guest on, uh, the Great American Franchise uh, Expo is coming up September 15th and 16th in Santa Clara at the Santa Clara Convention Center. Uh, it runs Saturday from 11 to 5 and Sunday from 11 to 4. And uh, you can get free tickets at the Great American Franchise Expo website. How's that for us? Uh, oh, cool. Big... That's cool. That's cool. Isn't it? That's and you're going yeah. somewhere very soon, aren't you? When Where are you headed? I. Uh, I am uh, Tuesday. I'm heading out towards uh, Grapevine, that's near Dallas. Mm, so cool. it's the convention of the Dwyer Group. They're, they're they call it a reunion, but it's a convention. Pretty so. cool. You'll have you'll be able to find us lots of great new guests there, won't you? I sure will, and uh, we'll probably be interviewing. Uh, uh, some of the owner of the Molly Maid in uh, Little Rock, so uh, or at least one of the owners. Uh, the son is uh, the one who's uh, running the business right now, I believe. And uh, so I plan on visiting there and uh, talking a little bit and see what we can, you know, we can do. I'm going to be doing that on Friday, and that'll be a pre-record so that uh, we can air that uh, some other time. All right, that's cool. Also, weren't you in Spearfish recently? I was. What's why is there oh. news about Spearfish? 
Well, I, I won't announce it because we haven't got them scheduled, but a new con- connection of mine is actually from Spearfish. So, amazingly enough, we may have somebody from Spearfish for, to talk to you. Oh, cool. That's a, that's a pretty nice town, uh, Spearfish, South Dakota. Yeah. All right. So, we got anything else we want to announce before we jump in? I can't I'll think of anything. A, okay. Oh, I was going to say, I'll take that as a no. So our first guest okay. is very special to us. Um, her name is Marisa Allen. She's a certified franchise executive. But what makes her um, a first for us is that she's not in the U.S. She's actually located in Toronto. So, my friend, you've gone international. Marisa, say hello. Hello, good afternoon, gentlemen. Very happy to be on the show with you both. We're glad to have you. You, So I was once told um, the reason Canadians say the word A so much is because it's the way they were taught to spell in school. (laughs) C-A-N-A-C-A. That's actually very funny. I was told that by a, a Canadian woman um, who, when I first interviewed, she ended up working for, for, me, for me for several years, and I counted 43 times in, during the interview where she actually said A. And after the, about the 20th, I, it was everything I could do not to crack up every time she said it. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, I'll be mindful of that while we're speaking. <laughs> A? <laughs> So, tell us about how you got into franchises. Um, I would say that franchising is in my DNA, um, probably because I started so many years ago, probably 30 years ago. (laughs) Now I'm aging myself here. Um, But I was fortunate that uh, after I graduated from university, I was managing uh, some franchise locations for uh, someone that I knew, and the franchisor approached me and said, hey, you know, why don't you open up your own? And I said, sure, and uh, that was with the body shop, and that was back in the early 80s, and, you know, the rest is history. So I liked uh, how the model operated. I liked the support that was given to me. Uh, the success that I was able to find from it, and uh, you know, as a result, I stayed within the industry um, all these years. I have a feeling that you're going to tell me this has nothing to do with cars. No. The, the <laughs> <doesn't>. body shop. <laughs> I know. And everybody says that you were. And here's the ironic thing: I, I grew up in the car business. My dad owned. You know, car dealerships, which are franchised, and of course, when I tell people the body shop, they were like, "Oh, of course it's cars." And anyways, long story. So no, it's fast and body and everything from the UK. So uh, total mm. opposite from from the car from the car industry. So quite, that, that's funny. That's funny that you say that. <laughs> well, 
I have to do this because I'm sure that many of our listeners are, are of the male persuasion and they're thinking body mm-hmm. shop. Wow. That's really cool. You know, you know, that <laughs> things and dents and paints and, and mm-hmm. sanding and all that stuff. You know, But uh, then I realized as I'm reading it, I said, you know, I better let everybody know that because I got a feeling that uh, <laughs> they would like to. For sure. So, that's so funny. You owned the body shop for five, six years, if I understand Correct. it correctly. So what's yes. the what's the number one lesson you took out of that time period? Uh, I learned a lot. I was, you know, very young in my early twenties. Um, you know, I learned that you had to work very hard. Um, but I also learned a lot about, you know, the franchising model that it is uh, a business model built for success and really to, to listen to the franchisor and understand that, you know, there's a reason for doing what they're doing. And if you follow their um, sort of path, uh, you know, for, for their vision, et cetera, that that was going to lead you to, to success. And I learned that very on because when you're younger, you want to be challenging and want to try things different ways. And when you got the pushback from them, it wasn't because it was, an, it was a negative. It was because they had tried uh, and had the success. So instead of reinventing the wheel, um, you know, I learned that very quickly that they were there to support me for success. Um, and that was, that was a big learning curve for me. Ooh, the second pillar, Ray. Yes, absolutely. Why reinvent the wheel when, I mean, that's what you're buying the franchise for. <laughs> they, they've already got that, uh, logo out there you know so exactly. it, it makes sense to utilize it yeah exactly Ray Fred okay so then we'll jump up forward a way way at, um, way 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 later um, you started a business called the franchise concierge correct is that a franchise it's not. No it is my. It's my company, um, and I've kind of worked all uh, sort of facets of the, you know, the franchise industry. Having been a franchise owner, having worked on the franchisor side, so worn a lot of different hats when it comes to franchising. Um, I decided that um, I wanted to create uh, uh, an entity with the franchise concierge, um, which. You know, if you think of a concierge, they basically are handling all different aspects for you, right? Um, And the franchise concierge does that. So whether you're looking to consult with me on buying a business, uh, whether you want help in your business, whether you're thinking about franchising your business, uh, then they can come to me and and sort of be a one-stop resource to help them with whatever um, questions or challenges that they may have. Oh, interesting. Ray? So, uh, Marissa, do you Uh help people uh, in Canada only or both the U.S. and Canada? Or, you know, what was your operating range? Um, I'm based in Toronto, but I do work with clients right across the U.S. and Canada. So Mm -hmm. having had experience Mm -hmm. uh, globally um, allows me to understand... Um, you know, different market trends and, uh, you know, 
Western Canada is much different than Eastern Canada, uh, as much as I'm sure Western U.S. is different from the Eastern uh, U.S. So oh, yeah. I do work yeah. right across North America. Yeah. Well, what do you feel is the biggest difference uh, between dealing with uh, uh, a client in the, in the U.S. as opposed to uh, a client in Canada? You stole my question. Uh, I, <laughs> I think to do that. a few yeah, I think there's a few differences. I mean, when you look at Canada, you know, we're we're basically 10% population of the U.S. We're somewhere between 35 to 38 million. I think that was the last census, if memory serves me right. Um, and what's interesting is that most people live near the U.S. border, and, you know, we're looking at Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal as your major cities. Um, so some of the biggest differences that I, uh, you know, in my experience is, um, you know, geographically, sometimes you can get uh, nuances within the marketing uh, areas of, of franchising. Uh, probably the biggest thing is the financing uh, piece. Uh, and, you know, understanding the banking systems between uh, Canada and the U.S., um, you know, allows me to really uh, be able to interact with my clients. So, um, you know, for all the similarities that we have between Canada and the U.S., Canada has its own distinct set of um, banking laws and on that franchising laws as well. And they vary uh, among the, the provinces, very much like they would vary within the states itself. Um, you know, whether you're applying for a small business loan, what a bank in Canada would be looking for versus what they would be looking for in the U.S. can, can vary dramatically. So, you know, having an understanding of that um, uh, between that, you know, is very helpful for me as I'm, you know, working with my clients and how I can coach them uh, from, the, from the onset when they're looking at franchising. So do you find... Uh, a difference what or let me put it this way what are the differences in franchisees or franchises people want to buy are there between from the US or Canada is there in, are there certain types that are hotter in Canada than they are in the US or are most of the franchises in Canada only uh, what I'll call Canadian local or are they based in the US how does all that work now that I've asked four questions in one. Yeah, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a, a bit of everything. So in terms of what the demand, uh, you know, what I'm seeing is very similar. So, um, you know, in Canada, there are somewhere between 1,200 to 1,300 franchise um, companies. And I would say about um, uh, 40% of franchise brand names are, are more or less in the hospitality industry. So when you're thinking of, of food and service type um, businesses. Um, so that's kind of where the, the differences lie. Uh, but in terms of demand, I find that it's, it's you know, whether it's, uh, you know, haircutting, uh, home-based businesses, uh, you know, restaurants, I, I find there's a lot of similarities uh, between both Canada and the U.S., so I'm not looking for, um, you know, I'm not, you know, being asked one, you know, a big difference between the two. Um, and I would say that a majority of my clients like having um, national brands. Um, so if there is a U.S. brand that is coming to Canada, I find that they are very eager to want to discuss with them about bringing it into Canada as the first because they want to be the first, um, you know, a 
sometimes, you, you know, a smaller percentage, I would say less than 10% are gun-shy about that and maybe want something that's much more established here locally. Uh, but for the most part, I find that um, I've got pretty much a global audience, and that might be due to the, um, you know, the, the multicultural um, uh, population that we have based right across Canada. There's a, those are large immigration base, so they are open to that. So what, what what are some of the pitfalls a person who uh, wants to open up, a U.S. person wants to open up a franchise in Canada, what are they facing? I mean, is that sort of like uh, me wanting to open up a franchise somewhere in California? Is it that bad? No, no and, and, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, all, again, all the laws will vary right, based on mm-hmm. provinces. So, um, you know, as long as you're, you know, financially qualified uh, and you've sort of dotted the I's and crossed the T's, it's, it's not that, um, you know, that much different. No. Okay. So easier uh, to fran- buy a franchise in can- Canada than it is California. Somehow that didn't, didn't <laughs> Well, um, I'm not sure of all the details, but a person by the name of Dave McKinnon uh, started uh, Molly Maid, I believe, in Canada. Uh, but I don't know much of the details. Of course, the rest is history now, and I believe that was well over 40 years ago. So and that was uh, the beginnings of Molly Maid. And I believe he named it, you know, it could be a rumor, I'm not sure. I thought he named it that for his daughter, but I'm not sure. I think you're right. I heard that same story. Yeah. You were like his first franchisee, weren't you, Ray? No, just kidding there. (laughs) No. (laughs) Now you're you're, you're trying to age me beyond my age. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. I've only been in business for 15 years. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm still enjoying the last comment. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, well, actually, <laughs> since we have a, a, a natural pause here, let me give us a play our first uh, commercial. Uh, thank the Link Local Network um, for broadcasting us. Uh, people can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. You can send uh, messages on the live chat at pillarsoffranchising.com. And uh, earlier, uh, last weekend, the Link Local Network actually has started broadcasting on Shoutcast, which means we are going – Pillars of Franchising – will be able to be heard on the Shoutcast channel. So go to our website and we'll, you'll find us there. And now a word from our first sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And... 
And we're back, Ray. So uh, I'd like to ask Marissa, um, what are some of the uh, more popular franchises offerings from the U.S. that Canadians like, that like to get into? U.S. franchises coming. I would say more on the um, restaurant side. So, um, you know, I'm thinking uh, sort of the health food sector, if you will. Um, oh, sure. And, sure. Fit, and fitness. I would say those are the two key categories where I'm seeing, um, uh, you know, when I'm talking to prospective clients uh, and we're talking about different sectors, about what they'd like to get into, um, I would say that food always seems to be the, the number one thing, but, you know, let's look at something healthy. Uh, and secondly would be in the boutique fitness sector as well. Well, I can definitely say I like having food get into me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, i got to keep uh, it moving. Yeah. That one yeah, in. Well, and we all, we all have that problem. Well, maybe not all of us. Some of us have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, what drew you to the franchise consulting company? Um, there were a number of things that drew me to it. I think the first thing was our CEO, Nick Neonakis. Um, he's a, an amazing individual, uh, someone who's got vision, uh, someone who's got uh, ethics, uh, someone who's transparent, and uh, just a real team player, um, and I've, I've never worked with anyone like that before. Um, you know, he's looking to grow and really, you know, change people's lives through um, entrepreneurship and business ownership, and the tools and support that he's given to us, um, you know, consultants um, has, has been phenomenal, and, uh, you know, there's, you know I, was, I was blessed that I was part of his initial group. Um, when, when I first joined with him a few years ago and, um, you know, I've never looked back. It's just been, you know, an absolute pleasure. And the consultants that we work with is a phenomenal team of people who are there to help and support you as well. Um, you know, we are independent, um, but, you know, I can pick up the phone and call any one of the consultants for advice and, um, you know, and they're willing and able to help in any, uh, you know, in any way that they can. So that, that to me has been, you know, just resounding for me. So I, I can't speak more uh, highly about it. So it's been just amazing experience for me. So one question, isn't it difficult to see him when he's transparent? Never mind. <laughs> Ray, go for it. Beat that one. Yeah. <laughs> Ben. <laughs> I had a I had a question. You just blew my mind. So, <laughs> I live for that moment. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I, I I need to ask the question. One of the uh, problems that many uh, franchise owners are having in the in the, the U.S. is help. Is that an issue in Canada as well, or, or becoming an issue more more or less, or? You know, what do you, what that's do you one mean of the, by one of the, their help with like with their franchisor or the like? What do you mean by uh, help? Employees, employees. Oh, um, 
you know what? Yes and no. I think it depends on the sector. Um, you know, in Ontario, especially, they um, rose the minimum wage um, up to, I think it's like $14 and change. So they found, you know, small business owners were being affected by that because, um, you know, having to pay higher wages and then, um, you know, just kind of dealing with, um, you know, millennials and, and those kinds of things. So I think they're having the same challenges in, in some respects. So if you're yeah, a millennial, everywhere, every- I was going to say, if you're a millennial, listen, listening, please call in at 323-580-5755 and give your thoughts mm-hmm. on uh, millennial employment in Canada. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ray. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things we're facing here, as an example, many uh, McDonald's uh, are, are putting in kiosks now, so you don't order from a live person, and of course you don't have to pay that machine uh, a, a wage, so that's becoming an issue, uh, unfortunately. And of course, yeah, you know, a lot of your a lot of the stores, you know, Walmarts and, and, and places like that have self-checkout. And, and I was just reading, um, I think it's Google is trying to create a system where you just walk in the store, put everything you want in a basket and walk out, and everything is automatically charged to your account. So the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's interesting that you were talking about McDonald's because I saw a television ad, um, and I don't know if it's a Canadian McDonald's ad or U.S., but there's a young girl that, you know, talks about working at McDonald's and how, um, you know, people, you know, didn't think, they could, they basically they thought it was a dead-end job, but, you know, she's made a career out of it, et cetera. So it's, it's funny how, you know, the they're working both angles. You know, they want the the technology piece, but now they're telling people, no, it's cool to work at McDonald's and make it a, make it a career. So, mm-hmm. well, didn't one of the past CEOs, I think it was Ray or Eddie, I forget which one, um, I saw him speak once, and uh, he had actually started out part time as at McDonald's and ended up being CEO for a while. So, hey, mm-hmm. it's doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. So yep. we're gonna uh, you're gonna stay on, and so you can be part of a, the our our panel. But want to bring in our next guest. But before we do that, what's the what piece of advice would you give to those looking for franchisees to become a franchisee? Besides, call you. Work with a consultant. Yeah, <laughs> work with a consultant. Um, we're a free service. Uh, we're there to coach and educate. Uh, I'm really big on making educated decisions and, um, you know, do your homework and, you know, a consultant can help you do that because there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of stuff online and trying to disseminate it all on your own is overwhelming and that's the best piece of advice I can, I can give to anyone. I'm okay Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, Ray, shall I introduce our next guest or would you like to? All righty. Oh. Well, we'd like to uh, introduce... Uh, Faizun Kamal, is that and, and did I mess it up, Faizun? No, surprisingly, you didn't. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here with you guys. So, what's it like to be a franchise consultant? What's it like to be a franchise consultant? Um, I know. What do you do? What does what a do franchise do? consultant do? 
Yeah, fill, sure. fill in our uh, audience and, and, and let them know. Sure thing. Um, <laughs> you guys are hilarious, by the way. Um, try to what does a Sanchez consultant do? I would say, I would say this. Um, most people wouldn't buy a home without the help of a realtor. Most people wouldn't make a bold career move without the help of an executive recruiter. And experts advise help when you're buying a franchise. Uh, a franchise consultant essentially think of us as matchmakers, not a matchmaker for your romantic soulmate, a matchmaker for your business soulmate, if you will. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. A matchmaker? Go ahead. I was just contemplating what you said. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stunned. And and what made you decide to to do that? I mean, I mean, I, I can and understand. You know, see? you want to. Yeah, yeah. Where? Yeah, that's another question too. Where are you? And uh, you know what? Uh, what is your what What is your base? And and what made you decide to do this? Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, I am based here in Alexandria, Virginia, in the United States, uh, on the East oh. Coast. Uh, I know your prior mm-hmm. guest uh, is out of Canada, so I'm on the other side of the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Goodness, what made me decide to be a franchise consultant? How long do we have for this show, guys? That's a, <laughs> that's a long, windy story, but I'll give you guys a short <laughs> Um I, I'll say this. So in 2015, um, I had happened to me what I think most people would term a very negative life experience. And that's when I I was working in corporate America for almost a decade. And I got laid off as part of a corporate restructuring that the company was having. Um, For me, for a couple of years at that point, I had already made the decision I was going to leave. It was just a matter of when. And in many ways, getting laid off was probably the second best thing that has ever happened to me in my adult life. The first being the birth of my daughter. This is the second, getting laid off. Um, I was, yeah. I hear a chuckle. Yeah? I mean, you know, yeah, corporate that's America. Yeah, a good juxtaposition. Uh, it's you know we, we we all know the sort of the stereotypical image of the corporate executive and I unfortunately fit that to a T. Uh, I was working 80 hour weeks at the time my daughter was about 17 18 months. I never saw her. I dropped her off you know before the crack of dawn at her daycare provider. I picked her up around 7 7:30 at night. Uh, I never saw my child's face during daylight hours. How about that? And, um, uh, you know, all of those things, and I just, I was, I was emotionally, uh, psychologically burnt out, uh, started having a number of health issues. So all in all, when the layoff happened, uh, it really gave me, I would say for the first time in my adult life, I said to myself, I really need to be more intentional about what the next steps of my life and my career look like. Um... I, gave, I ended up giving myself a 12-month sabbatical. Didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but that's what ended up happening. 
And in that 12-month period, it was a, it was mostly a, um, it was mostly an introspective journey more than it was an outward one where I just I wanted to really get clear about what were the things that made me happy and the things that didn't. And franchise consulting turned out to be turned out to be the thing that really checked off all the boxes for me at this point in time. How's that for a very loosey goosey philosophical Hey, you you hit the magic word for for franchisees is checked all the boxes. I've never mm. heard that phrase used as much as I have in, since we've been doing the show. So you hit the perfect mm. franchise mm. consultant phrase or franchise set phrase. Check all the boxes. That's important. Mm. So what? Let me ask this. We um we ask Marissa what franchisees or what types of franchises do you see trending um, in your area? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Marissa told us. Uh, What's your? Yeah. Uh, What kind of franchises? Sure. Um, Honestly, I find it's really all over the place. Um, My clients will sometimes laugh when I say to them, Guys, you know, if you can imagine it, it's probably already been franchised. Uh, the, you know, the, the incredible diversity across industries, across categories. So Marissa mentioned a couple. Um, I'll add to that. Uh, food continues to be a huge one. A second that, that I'm seeing quite a bit of, um, and Ray, you can attest to this. Uh, you own a franchise in that space, but sort of the, the home services space, so whether it's mm-hmm. residential cleaning, plumbing, HVAC repair, electrical, right, name it. Uh, those businesses I find are huge where I am. Um, these are need to have services, not nice to have services. Big difference that attracts people to this space. Uh, automotive continues to be huge. Lots of innovative things happening in that space. Um, retail. Retail continues to be big, even though, you know, if you talk to some people, they'll tell you, ah, oh, you know, retail is shrinking, uh, malls are closing up, etc. But then when you look at the franchising side of the house, many, many, many retail concepts that are flourishing. Um, so really, I would say across the gamut, it runs across the gamut. One of one of the things we talked about on uh, uh, previous shows was. Um, getting rid of the fear that people have and mm-hmm. engaging in, in their probably their, their largest investment they'll ever make in their life. Uh, and I was wondering if you could kind of, uh, you know, how, how, how do we expel that? How do we, uh, I, I, it, it's pretty scary, you know, to, to, to spend that kind of money and uh, on an unknown. Uh, and of course that's why a lot of people do, Engage with a franchise because uh, you know if you're if you're doing it totally on your own, um, it's kind of daunting. Scary. But with a franchise, you know, with a franchise, there is some help. So how do, how do we kind of uh, ease that a, a potential franchise owner into into a business? Wow, that's a really really fantastic question. Um, so I'm going to steal the words of this lady that I admire tremendously. Her name is Maya Angelou. And she said, 
and I paraphrased because I'm going to kill it. She said something like, hope and fear cannot occupy the same space. So you've got to invite one to stay. And I, I use that I use that with a lot of clients who are in that, in that space, and I say, guys, here's the thing. Hope and fear are actually two sides of the same coin. The only reason you came to me, even though it's a big, scary decision, but you came to me because there's a part of your heart and your mind that believes that owning a franchise is potentially one of the best life-changing things that you can ever do. So when you start to feel the fear, there's two kinds of fear. There's the fear that's the useless kind, it's the debilitating kind, it stops you in your tracks, uh, and your fear is based on irrational things that may or may not happen. That's the bad kind. And then there's a good kind of fear. It's the fear that, and Marissa alluded to this, it's the kind of fear that drives you to do due diligence in a systematic, intentional, purposeful way, where you are checking off the boxes that are important to you. And when you do due diligence that way, you will feel the fear because you're still human, but you will still move forward because you know you have gotten the answers to the questions that are most important to you. That's wow, a good point. That's great. Doing the, the, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, doing your due diligence will ease the fear, uh, but you know, absolutely. It's, it, it's it's amazing. Uh, somebody once said that you know, I'm going to use an analogy. Um, uh, fear is sort of like a, a violin string. You know, if it's tuned just right. Mm. Uh, you will succeed, and it sounds good. And of course, if it's too loose or too tight, mm. you know, too much fear, well, too much, too much fear, fear and anxiety, and you will fail just from the fear and anxiety. And I've seen it happen. Uh, people say, "I can't do this anymore," and mm. it's not because they run out of money. It, it's it's just they basically are too afraid to continue because of all the stress that they are under. Mm. And of course, if you have too little. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Hmm. Question. Hmm. All right. So in, since Fred isn't going to make a smart-ass comment here, Fred will just say, <laughs> <laughs> I contemplated it. There were a couple of ones I had, but we, we'll, we'll let them go. So remember, um, you can dial in to ask questions, and we've got a actually we've got a dialing caller we're going to bring in on a bit later. An old friend dialed in to listen, um, so we'll bring him on later. But you can dial in at three two three five eight zero five seven five five. That's three two three five eight zero five seven five five. And then starting tomorrow on Fridays, I think it'll be Fridays at eleven o'clock. Um, there'll be a new uh, radio show on this station that broadcasts us, and it's with uh, Alan Hanswick, CEO of New Alter Recording. Alan's a California-based independent record company, and he's going to be bringing some of the best new music uh, uh, around to his show. I'll be interviewing him tomorrow to kick him off, so he starts next week. And now, a word from our other sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? 
At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises, and we want to help yours grow. And we're back, right? I'm great. I have a question for both Marissa and Faizun. Let's start with Marissa, and maybe both can answer this. But not at the same time. Uh, in your, yeah, not at the same time, right? <laughs> so, uh, who, in your experience, and you've both, you know, uh, been doing this for a little while. Who is the uh, a, a perfect, not maybe not a perfect, but a good fit to for uh, franchise ownership? Mm. That's a great question. Um, to me, it's anyone who. Um, is thinking about creating a different path in their life. So whether it's a, you know, a corporate refugee um, or someone that, um, you know, uh, you know, a woman that let's say has been at home taking care of her kids, anyone that's sort of looking for that new direction in life. um, I would say the vast majority for me and my experience with my clients, it is those corporate refugees um, that are primed for wanting to make that change in their life. I guess I'll answer it a little bit differently than Marissa. So she talked about a category of of individuals that we work with. I'll put it to you guys this way. Two things. Uh, Every client, potential client that comes to me, I would like them to have two things. One, an open mind uh, to not immediately say no to things that they have no idea about. Uh, Just because they don't know doesn't mean it may not end up being their perfect fit franchise. And then the second thing I would say, someone who does not know all the answers. Uh, And, you know, guys, we've we've had clients like this in in our different careers, people who come to you for help, but they know the answers to every question before the question is asked. Uh, It makes for a very difficult relationship and I find in more cases than not, the client never ends up anywhere uh, because they feel they know more than the franchisor or the business does. You know, that's, that's an interesting that's an interesting point, and uh, I, I've seen that happen where they feel that they know more, and they end up failing because they don't follow the the program. Boom. So exactly. so. Uh, so if that's one of the points, are there other points that uh, on the negative side, a person, you know, uh, let me put it this way, what type of person should not be looking for a franchise? So we're, we're looking at someone who thinks they know it all, and uh, who else? Would, you know, uh, what type of person would be a potential for failure, I guess? I think, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, you know, financial is another big key aspect. Um, and that's one of the, the things that I like to talk about to prospective clients at, at the sort of forefront because there's so much 
information, if you will, on the Internet, and, you know, we've seen it all. You can start your own business for $10,000, and so I've got people coming to me to say, you know, I've got, you know, under, you know, let's say ten or $20,000, and they think that they're going to own this million-dollar business, and that's just not reality. So it always, to me, it always comes back to, you know, educating them about, you know, what's reality and what's, you know, sort of pie in the sky. So I think financial is another big piece for me. Um, and if they're not, you know, in a position, I, I, you know, I like to be honest with them to say, you know, maybe now is not the time, but if you're feeling passionate about wanting to buy a business, let's talk in 12 months, 24 months, and here are things that you can do to get yourself ready for that. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Uh, I would say it's uh, one of the things, you know, um, Marissa mentioned there's so much, so much information on the internet. And here, 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 herein lies the paradox. There's a lot of information, but there really is not a lot of information when it comes to who you are as an individual looking to buy a business. Um, it's a tiny word, right? The word is fit. It's a three-letter word, and yet I find and this is from my own experiences being a corporate refugee, my experiences as a consultant working with clients who for many reasons are deeply unhappy with where they are right now. And the reason, if you you were to trace the root of their unhappiness, it goes back to the fact that there never really was a fit between who the person is and what the job requires. Uh, You know, what are your skills and strengths? What are your weaknesses and blind spots? What comes naturally to you? Conversely, what feels like pulling teeth? And the answers to these questions, I think, you know, once I start to talk about, to ask these questions of my clients and they start to give me answers, all of these things become very good indications of the skills that they either bring to the table or that they don't bring to the table. I think that's one of the key pieces that many times um, folks can gloss over. Uh, thinking, oh, these are all the information out there. It's on the Internet. Just Google it, and you'll find it. Yeah, sure. But the real information lies within you. Who are you? And that is what's going to determine what your perfect fit franchise is going to be. I think that's a huge piece for me. Okay. Definitely. So, I, you, you I, I, been, I think – go ahead. You, you both talked about, <laughs> you know, um, fitting, uh, making sure – the question about – having people fit. So when you get people coming in, um, obviously putting a, whether it's a franchise or a business or anything, a career around somebody, it plays out over time. And in, as a marketing person, I'm con- continually asking people what they want to accomplish in six months and what they want to accomplish in a year. And sometimes what do they want to accomplish in three years? And you'd be amazed at the number of don't, uh, blank stares I get back at, at me. So my question here is, is that when you get people coming in, are they looking long-term, like where they want to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road? Or are they more looking at the, I want to be, this is what I want to do over the next year? I get a mix of both. I don't know about Marissa. Okay. Um, I, I get a mix of both. Um, I typically, that's interesting, I typically don't ask the client, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Um, 
most people are not able to tell you what they're going to have for dinner tonight. Um, I can't. It, 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 well, you know, you're one of the rare <laughs> few, my dear. One of the no, rare I, few. I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner. It's more, again, I think for me, at least, and this is the way I approach my consulting practice with my clients, I come more from the stance of, Back to Marissa's point, what are the financials we're working with? All right, so this is how much we have. Um, what's the number that you feel good, comfortable investing? So we get that down. And then we say, if you are going to buy a business that costs you $250,000, let's talk about potentially when do you think you're going to break even? Why is that number important? Why is that time period important? Well, once you've broken even, other than the royalty that you pay your franchisor, Every penny that you make is pure profit to your bottom line. So when do you achieve break-even? When do you get to profitability? Uh, after you've paid off your entire investment amount, how does the how does the scenario change for you? And I find with this sort of questioning, um, while the answers may be more qualitative than they are quantitative, the their future scenario seems to get a little bit clearer as the conversation goes on. I don't know if I'm explaining myself well. No, that's uh, but I great find answer. numbers, you know, hard mm. numbers necessarily make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Well, one of the things I noticed that uh, before you, I want to just want to make a comment on what uh, um, uh, Marissa said about uh, uh, having enough uh, capital. And one of the things I noticed, and I've mentioned this on the show before, is that a lot of people many are times. undercapitalized. Yeah, many, many, many. Sorry. <laughs> but it, it, it's an important point because you don't want to reach a point in your business where you have no more money and all you need is a couple bucks to continue. Mm-hmm. But uh, my, my point is a lot of times uh, the uh, FTD doesn't it understates the amount of money you need. It sure tells you how much you need to give them and maybe how much you'll need to run your business for a little while. But what happens if the, there's a downturn in the economy or, or you get sick or, you know, things like that? And you've got to take all those contingencies into consideration when you're investing in a business. And you don't want to get to the very end, uh, you know, have to close down your, your business and, and waste a quarter of a million dollars just because of a couple of bucks. Yep. So I just wanted to make that point uh, that Marissa made. Yeah. Um, I, I'll address actually the same question that Faizun did, and that's uh, I actually ask that question of my clients. Uh, I'm big about you know what's your end goal, and and not that you know you if you tell me you know you you know some people are like oh I want to make a million dollars okay so let me figure out how you're going to get there, um, and the reason I like to find out that kind of tells me where. You know, people thought about, like I always say to them, you know, if you had a magic wand and, you know, you got into the perfect business, where would you be five years from now? And some of them are like, you know what, I'm retired, but I still want to be active and I want to have something because my, you know, son or daughter is going to join the business with me. I want them to be able to take it over. So obviously they're looking to create a legacy. But what's important to me is that, and how I explain it to them, is if we know sort of what their end goal is, then that helps us to create what that path is going to look like. Now, the end goal can change. I mean, there's nothing wrong to say, um, I've decided I want to sell everything because my health or whatever. 
but I think it's important that you create that um, solid uh, uh, sort of foundation and mm. path to, to get to where you're going. Um, and, I, and I find that, you know, I've asked people that often to sort of write down what their goals are, and they always come back and say it was a really interesting exercise because they really hadn't given much thought other than, you know, they just wanted to open up a business but didn't think about long-term um, because some franchise businesses require you to, you know, maybe be in it longer to build up. Others are different, and then that all, you know, you know attaches itself to what that financial investment does. So that's kind of – I have a little bit different take than what Faizoon does, but – um, I think ultimately we're trying to get to the same goal, I think, for most of our clients. You know, oh, I love yeah, that. Most, most, yeah, most are real. Go ahead, Fred. Well, I love what you said about you do ask them because I actually had an experience recently where I was talking to an old friend of mine who had just uh, lost his job. And this gentleman's past retirement age. And I said, you remember when we were talking about having a come as you'll be in seven years party and he goes well sort of and he thought I was nuts um, and I said but I said to at back at the time I said but when I look at it I said I wanted to be living on the ocean doing this this and this and damn seven years it took me but I made it and he goes well if I want to come as unemployed and broke I really kicked that one out of the, the park so um <laughs> But yet, here's somebody that was very smart, had a degree, um, uh, you know, was well paid for his career, and, and now he's there's nothing. And it's like I, I I keep wondering about people who either buy a franchise or start a business, and they don't think about where they want to be in the long term. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. What are both of your answers. Ray, take it away. Yes, yes. Well, one of the things. Hey, that franchise owners. Does the marketing. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Who's taking it away? <laughs> All right. Faizun mentioned, something about, <laughs> Faizun mentioned something about people doing uh, research on the Internet. And I, I, I think the thing that came to my mind as soon as she said that is you can, you can kind of overdo it. Uh, and you've got to take what you find on the Internet uh, with a grain of salt. As an example, when I go for my yearly physical, I told my doctor, well, I, you know, I, I have this pain, and I Googled it, and, and I think it's this and this. He says, oh, you're consulting with Dr. Google now. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so I can imagine people who, you know, can go just a little bit too deep, and, and, and especially if they begin to believe a particular person or, uh, you know, that it's dangerous to do this or that. Uh, you've, you've got to open up your your, your research venues to, to a wide audience so that, that you know, basically you get, uh, uh, you know, some pretty good advice and, and kind of dismiss the what's, what's not real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Fred, go ahead. So we're starting to run out of time. Um, I do want to bring in our caller, um, and he's uh, our old friend of ours. You remember Ron Silverstein of Fran CPA? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Ron, have you got any questions about franchising in Canada? Uh, not really, Fred. I've got, uh, you know, I've worked with a Canadian franchise before, Tudor Doctor, a big one. Uh, 
educational franchise based in Toronto that uh, we handled the audits for them for their U.S. Uh, franchise sales, and uh, they were a good one. I guess uh, the one question I have uh, for Marissa is, have you seen any uh, cannabis-related franchises starting up in Canada, Marissa, uh, with Canada now uh, legalizing recreational marijuana use? Because I know there's a lot of companies in the U.S. getting ready uh you know, to start franchising, uh, although they still face a lot of obstacles in the U.S. Have you seen anything starting up in Canada related to uh, cannabis or cannabis-related? Um, I have, actually. I was um, Someone reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, they're based out of Edmonton, Alberta, uh, and they've got a, a franchise that they've sort of coordinated, but um, because each province is legislated differently, they still are not sure how things are going to be played out. So October 16th or 17th, I think, is sort of like the drop date that the government is going to say, okay, here we go. Um, Because some provinces are going to be uh, doing a lottery, for example, to get your license. Some people are by application. So they're still not sure how it's going to, you know, what it's going to look like. They've had, you know, you can imagine tons of, of people uh, going online to try to apply. Uh, it's a much more expensive endeavor, um, you know, from what I understand in terms of getting their licensing, the build-outs, et cetera. So uh, I think once the government gets their act together and figures out what they're going to do and how they're going to sort out all the different sort of you know, worst and best case scenarios, I guess, if you will, then I think we'll see a little bit more uh, in terms of franchising. But again, I think it's going to be by a province by province basis. And you had mentioned before or earlier in the show that uh, you know a lot about the banking rules in Canada. Are the banking, are there any banking issues for the cannabis businesses or is that also province by province right now? It is. And again, they, it's, you know, some banks are, are still unsure about how they want to proceed you know, with it all. So we're, like, I still haven't seen, you know, a, a sort of definitive yes or no on that. So that there's a lot of stuff that's it's, it's really great uh, in terms of, you know, the legal, the financial. Um, and I don't know if I was, you know, looking to invest in that uh, sector. I don't, I don't know if I wanted worth, you know, all the money because, you know, I don't know what's going to come out at the other end in terms of an ROI um, because it's so new. And uh, I think everybody's like, oh, it's great, you know, we're legalizing marijuana, but okay, and then what? So I, I don't know, it'll sort of like, you know, let's, it'll be interesting uh, to see what's, you know, how it's going to play out. And this yeah, I think that's going to be the same way in the U.S. I always like when Ron comes on the show because, uh, uh, you know, especially talking about that topic, it really lights up our audience. Yeah, well, you know, we can end, we can end your show on a high note this way, Fred. That's right. That's right. Hey, that was my line. <laughs> that was just one toke over the line. I'm sorry. That's but yeah. <laughs> Are we getting the munchies? I am. Never mind. 
Go ahead, Ray. I'm gonna let you. Uh, well, like I said, I, you know, <laughs> uh, Ron, do you have any other questions, Ron? For, uh, for I mean, one thing I've noticed Marissa, in the U.S. is, is uh, you know, some of the clients I'm working with uh, now are, uh, you know, in the edu- on the educational side, and uh, you know, have you seen? Have you either? You know, either of your two uh, guests here, Fred, have, have you have you women seen anything? Uh, you know, any hot new educational franchises, or are they? franchises that are having success that you work with that are educational related so are you talking about higher education no the ones uh the ones i've seen are mainly uh yeah not higher fred that that comes uh, later <laughs> so there's a lot of people being educated on uh different ways uh, I mean, different cannabis products. I saw something today a friend of mine sent me that Heineken uh, had just in that made a large investment in uh, in a cannabis company, you know, because they're looking down the road to make uh, uh, THC beverages as well as CBD beverages. So I, th- I think that's a, we're starting to see big beverage companies, big global beverage companies make investments in cannabis companies uh, planning for down the road when I food and beverage uh, cannabis related products I think are going to be very big once this all takes off uh, you know they've got high upsides but uh, no, that, 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 right the educational clients that I've worked with are mainly like uh, pre-k or uh, elementary age type kids where uh, they they have tutors or they have uh, STEM programs or they have some of them are uh, like Lego related where it's, uh, you know, kind of after school daycare, but also educational stuff for the kids to uh, help them get started in different areas that might benefit them long term uh, and being bring out the artistic side and stuff like that. So I know there's a lot of both startups and well-established ones in the U.S., and I'm not up on what's going on in Canada or in, in other places. Well, I think it's pretty... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Fraser. Um You mentioned Tudor Doctor, um, and there's a bunch Marissa and I work with. But I think, you know, if you think about it, it's the sort of chur- the early childhood education slash development space, you have that sort of critical age for kids where typically it's a, it's a two-parent household. Both parents are working full-time, and now the kid needs to be in before care and after care, and then once that is done, they're going out to get swim classes, ballet classes, educational you know, remediation, uh, something that a tutor doctor or a Huntington does. Uh, you mentioned art education. That's a huge one. Uh, there are a couple that I have worked with. Um, again, just it, it really runs the gamut, but I think we see a lot of companies, a lot of franchise companies in this space because if you think of the demographic societal shifts that we are seeing, it really plays into the huge demand that working parents have for these types of services for their kids. So I don't know if that, if that helps, but I, I like to look at big 
categories in terms of the transitions and demographic shifts that we have in, we have happening in uh, in society. Yeah, and I think that's a good area for uh, both men and women that are teachers and get tired of it, uh, you know, but but want to use their talents in something. Absolutely. Right, so they can get into an educational type franchise and really uh, do well at it because they've got the teaching background. They like uh, teaching, they like helping kids, but they're tired of uh, all the rules with schools and being off in the summers. So though it's hard to believe somebody could get tired of being off in the summer. Uh, the hours can be better in an educational franchise where you're you know you're not working till midnight. Uh, uh, seven days a week. You can kind of uh, have shorter days if you want, and uh, you know, which and they're usually lower cost franchises. Also, the educational ones, depending on uh, whether you've actually got to build out a, a store and a space, or whether you can you can work for home from home or do the uh, the educational part in your clients' homes. There's a lot of different types now. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see where that that would be an ideal uh, franchise for uh, an educator or actually anybody who has an interest in in, uh, passing on their knowledge to someone else. The the other thing with these education franchises, at least I find with, um, so I had a a client, she started, uh, she actually is a tutor doctor franchisee. She has uh, three of the highest um, income demographic uh, communities in the in the area that she's in, and that's where she that's where she based her business. And she came into it because she was a grandmother. She was a little bit different. She was a grandmother. She took care of her two grandchildren, and she said, "You know, I've been a management consultant during my entire career, and." I now find myself spending time on playgrounds and I'm losing my mind. I want to be able to run a business that still gives me an income, but gives me the flexibility to be able to help my daughter out with her kids uh, and do work essentially uh, in the same hours when my grandkids are at school, my daughter's at work, and I can focus on something. So, you know, to, to the point of having a flexible lifestyle work schedule that still allows someone to bring in a certain kind of income, I think is a hugely appealing trait of some of these education franchises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's just a good thing, uh, you know, when we were talking about franchising and the work that both of you do with your clients, helping them find the right fit. There's so many different kinds of franchises out there that uh, once you find out what the goals of your client are, you know, there's low-cost franchises, there's ones that can can cost you millions of dollars to get open, but, uh, you know, there's an opportunity for almost any kind of client that you get in franchising once you find out what their goals are because of uh, all the varieties that are out there, all the different concepts and all the different... uh, you know, you can work long hours or short hours. Uh, there's a lot of uh, different opportunities out there in franchising. So on that, on that note, as Ray would tell you, we're starting to run out of time. So, uh, Marissa, what's, what what's the yes. last thing you'd like to, A, leave with our, what's the one thing you want to tell our audience, 
And B, how do people get a hold of you? The one thing I'd like to leave uh, for the audience is that if they've ever thought um, about owning a business, that, um, you know, it's okay just to explore. It doesn't mean it's going to be the right thing for you or the timing is, but uh, it's okay to kind of venture, you know, into that realm, if you will. Uh, the easiest way for them to get a hold of me, they can call me, text me uh, to 416-726-1858, uh, or they can email me to marisa at the franchiseconsultingcompany.com, and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions for them. Awesome. Faisun, what about you? What do you want to tell our listeners and how people get a hold of you? Can I answer with a quote? Is it Napoleon's yes. audacity, audacity, audacity? Sorry. Hell no. No, 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 no. No, no Napoleon. Okay. All right. No Napoleon. So, so no here's, Napoleon. here's what I'd like to leave your, uh, your listeners with. If they're, if they're thinking about starting a business, franchise or not. Um, some wise person, don't know who, once said, when the winds of change blow, some people build walls. Others build windmills. So when the winds of change blow, which one are you going to do? Because you can choose either. And I hope you choose the latter and think about building a windmill. I would choose um, to sell the windmill parts, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. How do people um, get hold of you? How do people get hold of you? Yeah, I, I really like that quote. That's sort of Thank sort you. of like is the glass half full or half empty? Half you know, empty. <laughs> how do you look at it? It's 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 uh, you're gonna make uh, 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 lemons or lemonade? You know, it's the whole you know hope and the fear, two sides of the same coin kind of thing. Um, yes, yes. I would say uh, email Faizun at thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com. dot uh, com. My direct number is four four three. Uh, and anyone can always connect with me on LinkedIn. There are hundreds of millions of people on LinkedIn, but there's only one Faizun Kamal. So it's a little hard to miss. So please connect. And on that note, I would say you are definitely rocking it on LinkedIn. Oh, thank you. You're doing it well. That's, this comes from somebody who lives there. So, Ron, do you want to say anything at the end? Uh, I didn't hear that, Fred. What did you say? I said, do you have any last words of wisdom? Uh, no, I just, uh, you know, as you've heard from me before, uh, I love the franchising model. I'm very excited about it. I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, in franchising for just about anyone that wants to own their own business. But uh get in with a uh you know a concept that can be successful and uh with the help of their franchisor. So your your guests uh did a very good job describing early on in, in the show what types of uh people would, would make good franchisees uh and wouldn't make good franchisees. So it's uh I think there's a lot of opportunity in franchising for almost anyone. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
and no one on this show should disagree with that. <laughs> so, Ray, any last words of wisdom based on... Oh, No, I, I, I think I'm wisdomed out. So one thing we learned earlier this week... Ray, I, I, no I wanna, we need to we need to end end on the high of the show, though. You know, right? I'm gonna <laughs> that's try right. To do that. And on a high note. Oh dear God, yeah, here we go to. again. So <laughs> last week, we, earlier this week, we learned that Ray was no longer ninth in the nation, but in fact, he's moved. He's gotten higher. He's now number eight. <laughs> Great job, Ray. Awesome. Hey, way to go. All right, thanks. So, folks, um, you, you've heard from our guests. We love doing this show. We love to have fun. Next week, we'll be back with a new episode, um, and we'll see if we can teach you something and make you laugh. This has been Pillars thanks, of Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. And Thank you, you so continue much. To Broadcasting Thank you for having success. us. Have a great one, and thanks, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye now. Bye. Bye.